third base here on Thursday, February 23rd. Adam Azer, Al Melchior, Scott White, CBSSports.com Fantasy Baseball Podcast. What's up, dudes, fellas? Running out of like clever ways to intro you. What's up, Scott. gentlemen? <laughs> You're the gentleman here. You got the That's tie, true. the button-up shirt. Yeah, I had to dress up for video stuff this morning, and then I decided... It's wasted. I was just digging the tie, so I left it on. It's wasted here. I'm the only one in the office wearing a tie. I am wearing a dressier <laughs> shirt because of shooting video, and I just—it's just pure laziness. Gosh, we are just really multimedia like heroes, Al. You and me, every platform. And Scott you, White, at least get to write. Yeah, but Scott today's not, not doing today. any video. I got a stupid golf shirt on. <laughs> well, it's time to talk baseball here, and we want you to follow us on Twitter at CBS Scott White at Al Melk CBS Al M E L C CBS at Adam Azer A I Z E R at CBS Fantasy BB. Facebook.com slash CBS Sports Fantasy Baseball and Fantasy Baseball at CBSInteractive.com. Enough talk about our shirts. An email, and again, that's Fantasy Baseball at CBSInteractive.com. We saved these for last, but we're going to start with an email today because I think it's extremely important and something I probably neglected to cover when we started the position previews. It's a question from Anthony. Can you please list positions as far as depth is concerned? For a points league. So we're going to talk, you know, we talk individually about each position. Is it deep? Is it shallow? But we need to put it in context with the other positions. So, Al, I know you made a list of what you think the deepest positions are all the way to the bottom, to the most shallow. So go ahead and start. All right. Well, and of course, I just got rid of that list, and I'm going to have (laughs) to actually use my, engage my brain in this. But I know I put the pitchers up front um, because I think no matter how you slice it and what type of format it is, there's always going to be, you know, the pitchers are always going to be pretty easy to replace. Starting pitchers. So starting pitchers, pitchers, then relief pitchers. And I make the distinction there because I think we've all been in agreement here that, you know, there's a, a one-man elite among uh, relievers uh, going into this season. And uh, you can't really say the same thing about starting pitchers. So uh, starting pitchers, then relievers. Then I think first baseman, even though it may not be as deep as it's been in other years. Um, you know, there, if there's no yeah. one particular – Less yeah. sure things, I feel like, but yeah. still always plenty of sleepers there. Yeah. Oh, okay. Now I can stop thinking because I think I... Uh, oh, thank I've, goodness. I found my list. We hate the thinking on this show. Yeah, that's... Uh... Okay, here we go. So, yeah, starting pitchers, relief pitchers, first base. And then I got third baseman, and that surprised me a little bit because I looked at this. But, I mean, even though there's third base, I mean, you'll have an elite with... Uh, well, we'll talk about this later, but, you know, with Cabrera and, and Hanley being added to the top tier once they get eligibility. Um, you know, after that, you might say, well, there's a lot of risks. Um, but the, 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 the middle ranks at third base, it, it's pretty meaty. It's I pretty, like this It's position. pretty meaty. Yeah. So even though, you know, we've sort of, I think we've disparaged the position a lot on the well, previous podcast. Yeah, I mean, you just look at the names and how far down the list goes. Yeah. And, and I completely agree with you where it's ranked but the problem is as we'll get into more today there's so many names on that list who have one risk or another attached to them that you you can't really feel confident with a high end uh with a with a lot of those early round types yeah and then i i I put and again sort of an upset in my own mind i put outfielders right after third baseman and that's typically one of the deeper positions, but I do feel like it's thinned out a lot in recent years. And so particularly at the the top, it's not as deep, even as third base, then second base where you've got some good options up top, but it thins out pretty quickly. Catcher, I think very similar to second base in that regard. And then shortstop where you have, you know, three clear elites and then 
a chasm. Yeah. And, and I want to add to this discussion that it makes a big difference how deep the format is you're playing. And this, this is kind of for standard mixed yeah. leagues in mind, the, the, that order there. Um, and, and because he adds that it's a points league, I would assume that means only one starting catcher. And, and that to me would bump the catcher spot up in the rankings as far as depth goes, because there's a good, we talked about it on the catcher podcast. Obviously there's a good, we haven't eight, done that one yet, but we will, we will. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there's a good eight, nine, 10 starting caliber options. And if there's only 12 starting catcher positions in your league, well, you're, you're going to be in pretty good shape there. So I would go with that in mind. I would go starting pitcher, relief pitcher, first base, catcher, third base, second base, outfield, shortstop, because I guess I have a little more confidence in second <laughs> and a little less confidence in the outfielders. Well, that's interesting because does that mean that Jose Bautista has more value as an outfielder than a third baseman? Hmm. There is I mean, a, he there's was, an argument to make there. <laughs> yeah, I, I yeah think definitely, yeah. I, I feel like when I've drafted him in, in the first round, obviously, it's always been to be my third baseman because – I'm scared of those uh, Ryan Zimmerman, David Wright, Kevin Euclid types. The injury concerns, the 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 in in Euclid's case, the the drop off in production concern. That I would rather have him occupy that third base spot and load up on some of the, you know, Shinsu Chu, Desmond Jennings, upside or bounce back candidates at the outfield position. So. Those two positions, I guess, are very, very close. I just feel like in in um, among the higher options, there, there's a little more safety with the outfielders than third baseman. Yeah, and I think the, the case to be made for Bautista as a third baseman instead of an outfielder is that if you take him as your third baseman, he was over 100 points better than Michael Young last year, who was second in a standard head-to-head points league, he it gives you such a better third baseman than the other options, potentially, unless those other guys stay healthy yeah. and contribute, like and A-Rod and Euclid and Wright. And exactly. Those guys missed so much time last year, which is why I'm scared of them now, that I'm afraid that exact scenario is going to play out. Obviously, they're they're ranked in a way that we assume it won't play out that way again. But if it does, then you're going to have Bautista way up there and those guys way down there again. Bautista, clearly our number one third baseman. Can you make a case for him number one overall? We have been saying Miguel Cabrera number one overall. They're pretty close. And Miguel Cabrera is going to be first base and third base eligible. Bautista is going to be third base and outfield eligible. Al, are you still going to go with Cabrera? I will, yeah. And, and it is close, but nothing has really changed. And uh, I just think that Cabrera is going to have a little better overall production. So once he gains that third-base eligibility, that uh, that makes him the best guy. And you agree? Yeah, I do. Once he gets it, that's the key. He, you can't draft him as a third baseman, but within the first week, you'll be able to play him there. And we talked a lot about Cabrera on the first-base preview podcast. Now, for Bautista, where does he go? Is it Cabrera, Pujols, Bautista, or what do you think? I'd go Bautista first, but you could argue it either way. Before Pujols? Yeah. Okay. So second. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I think that's my, my ideal top five right now is, is looking like Cabrera, Pujols, Bautista, Tulewitzki, and Matt Kemp. And then I still got to figure out the back end of that first round, but I think that top five is pretty much set in stone for me. Then we look at the rankings, and these are our Roto rankings with auction values on a $260 budget. 
Jose Bautista, $39. Evan Longoria, $26. David Wright, $25. Adrian Beltre, $21. Ryan Zimmerman, $20. Kevin Euclid, $20. Brett Laurie, $18. Pablo Sandoval, $18. Michael Young, $18. Alex Rodriguez, $17. Just looking at the top 10, Bautista, Longo, David Wright, Beltre, Zimmerman, Euclid, Laurie, Sandoval, Michael Young, Alex Rodriguez. It's so obvious. There's a huge drop-off after Bautista. And then it's, there's not that much separation between 2 through 10, right? I, I agree. Um, just, and, just based on the auction values, that's just where I was going from. Sure, sure. And you know, even if you look at uh, head-to-head values, um, you see the same thing there. Yeah, and you know, really... I think as it stands, again, you know, not thinking about uh, Cabrera, you know, getting eligibility within the first week, um, that Bautista for now is really in a class unto, his, unto himself. And then Longoria, you could argue, sort of stands alone, too, because once you get to the right Beltre, Zimmerman, Euclid group, every one of those guys, as Scott alluded yeah. to earlier, they've got some risk. That's actually exactly how I have them tiered up here. One um, Bautista. Yeah, I got Bautista and eventually Miguel Cabrera in that top group. Then Longoria by himself in the second tier. Then you go right, Beltre, Zimmerman, Euclid, Lawry, Sandoval, Michael Young, Alex Rodriguez. I would even throw uh, Aramis Ramirez into that group as the potentially high-end guys, but either old or injury-prone or in the case of right and um Euclid, they're just coming off bad seasons statistically mm-hmm. the, the the one who doesn't fit that category but is still in that tier is brett lawry who i find myself going after a lot if i miss out on the bautistas and longorias i read the top 10 i'll read the rest of the top 20 mark reynolds aramis ramirez emilio bonifacio ryan roberts martin prado chase headley Mike Moustakas, David Fries, Edwin Encarnacion, Matt Gamble. So Bonifacio, we know, is a Scott White favorite. Probably not going to talk too much about him because he has a lot more value as a shortstop. If you draft Bonifacio, you're probably going to want to play him at shortstop. On this show, we're going to talk about differences in head-to-head in Roto. We're going to talk about draft strategy for third baseman. We're going to let these these two, Al and Scott, disagree on a few players. We'll go in-depth on some of the top guys. Of course, we'll look at sleepers, breakouts, and busts, average draft position, and some AL-only and NL-only players as well. Differences between Roto and head-to-head. I mean, if you take Bonifacio out of the equation, he had over 40 steals last year, right? So there's not uh, there's not a lot of stolen bases here, especially when you look at, at David Wright's disappointing season last year. What do we need to know, though, in terms of differences between head-to-head and Roto? Uh, you know, I think you might have summed it up very nicely right there because I'm looking up and down the list, and there's very few players that, uh, that stand out at all. Um, and I think Moustakas maybe is going to profile a little better for head-to-head, at least this year, until he develops some home run power, if he develops it. Um, but other than that... I, I, think, yeah. um, I think Mark Reynolds would profile as better in Roto since basically all you're getting from him is homers. It's a lot of homers, but that's it, and you're getting a lot of strikeouts along with it. Um, and I would also say Martin Prado probably profiles better in head-to-head because mm. no steals, uh, not a ton of homers, but obviously extra base power there. Um, and uh, he's going to get a good number of at-bats batting high in the Braves lineup. 
Brett Lowry had seven steals in 43 games last season. Does he project as a, as a stolen base threat? Oh, definitely, yeah. You know, okay. I think 2025-plus uh, 20, should be a cinch for him. Wow. Well, that would be pretty nice to have yeah. in a Roto That's league. a big part of his appeal in this group. Sure. Is this a deep position? So we said it's fairly deep, right? Yeah, again, you know, it seems sort of strange because it feels it seems like, again, because there's so many risky players that we've... Yeah. I feel like we've categorized it as shallow, but... Really, when you do compare it to other positions, I mean, there's a lot of guys with risk, but there's a lot of guys who, you know, I mean, Laurie helps you in so many categories, and and there are several players like that. I I guess we can get away with calling it deep. I just, I just, I shy away from using that term because it's, unless you get one of those top two or three guys, I don't feel like you can feel comfortable with your third baseman, really. No. And, And that's. I, you know, the issue for me. I look at this list. I look at Wright, Beltre, Zimmerman, Euclid, and then I'll go down to Arod. I think at, at least one of them is probably going to have a huge year. Oh yeah, right. That, so you just have to pick which one it's right. Be. And and if you pick wrong, then obviously that's a wasted early round pick, and and that's a killer. I mean, it's not like you can't overcome it in fantasy, but that's that's the hardest thing to overcome. So you like Laurie, Scott. He's kind of like a safer bet for you, but still with some upside. It it's, it's, feels weird to say that with a guy who uh, I don't think he got to 200 at-bats last year, but yeah, what he did in that short period of time completely won me over and, and convinced me he's a stud waiting to happen, and as young as he is, he just doesn't have a lot of the concerns of these other players. Al, who's your who's your uh, Brett Laurie? Uh, just in sense of a, a, a safe guy? Uh, no, in terms of maybe a guy that when you look at third baseman, I want this guy. I can get good value for him. Uh, um, I you know I don't know that I have a Brett Laurie other than Brett Laurie. Okay, uh, <laughs> be, you know because I think look you, you look at somebody like A Rod. I think you know expectations are going to be kind of low for him. Uh, you look at somebody, you know, well, I don't want to dwell on that because you're actually, actually asking me who's going to exceed value. I guess the closest guy other than Laurie is Prado because he took such a hit in batting average last year. And I just think there's a lot of indications that he's a really strong comeback candidate. And I don't know how many people are buying it. So not as high end as Laurie, but I think uh, he could be equally as good of a value. Martin Prado ranked 15th for us behind... Ramirez, Bonifacio, Ryan Roberts, and then it's Martin Prado right ahead of Chase Headley. Do we need to talk about Hanley? I know we're going to talk about him a lot on shortstops, but I, I would just add this: that you know, I think he, even though with the diminished production last year and and moving to a position that is deeper than shortstop, a lot deeper, I think he's still a protectable guy. This is Hanley? Hanley. Okay. Um, you know, I, I, he doesn't have the same elite level status in single season leagues. Although he'll, he'll still be, I think, a high draft pick in future years when he doesn't have the shortstop eligibility. And a related note on that, uh, not to ramble, but Ozzy Guillen did tell the media today that Hanley will not play shortstop at all this year, uh, even if Reyes is out. What do you think about taking Tulawitzki with the third pick or the four, fourth pick, and then with the 2020th pick maybe <laughs> or how yeah. about the 20 no. how about the 28th pick I, I see Hanley. Where, yeah i see where you're going whatever with this. it is I, uh, the, the same pick in the third round I, I would not draft too low and hanley on the same team 
I, I just want to do it. If, if you're drafting Hanley, I feel like it's because you're 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 wanting to get this last year of shortstop eligibility out of him. If you can't get too low, he's the next closest thing to a, a super elite high end option, and and that's why you draft him. So if you already have too low, why do it? I mean, because he you don't think Hanley Ramirez can be a super elite third base option? He can be, but the you he grew you group him right in with the the rest of this group as as far as. Uh, risks this year injury performance you know he's right with david wright kevin Euclid, the rest of these guys as far as that goes and you would have to draft him much earlier than those guys uh, by a good maybe two rounds two three rounds yeah um and it's just not worth doing if you don't plan on playing him at shortstop it would have been the fourth and the 28th pick just just so we're clear on that let's talk draft strategy then so we said for first baseman we might you know, in an auction, we might not want to overspend. We might want to wait a little bit longer in a, in a draft to get a guy like Eric Hosmer or something like that because it's a deep position. For second baseman, I know Scott said you'd be the kind of guy who would overpay for one of those top three guys, Kinsler, Pedroia, Cano. I, I want to overpay for everybody. <laughs> uh, what about for third baseman? Exactly the same thing. <laughs> I mean, and unless... Uh... You know, I wouldn't want to feel I wouldn't feel comfortable waiting around for Lawry. By the time he got nominated, you know, he he would he would stand out as as one of the safer options of the position and and go for too high himself. So I'd rather be the guy who goes for somebody like Longoria, maybe overpays a little to get him. Uh, but there's going to be some people who shy away from him because he's coming off the bad batting average last year. I don't think that's a real concern. I think he was injured and, and dealing with some bad luck there. I, I think he's a complete stud. So I would be willing to pay for that so I don't have to settle for one of these old injury-prone guys. Um, and I think you're actually at less risk of overpaying for him than somebody like Laurie. What's your strategy? I am going to spend my brains out for Jose Bautista or Evan Longoria. Okay. Absolutely. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm going to hold back at second base or first base. This is where I'm going to let it rip. Evan Longoria batted. But, oh, sorry. Go ahead. I'm known for spending like in a mixed league twenty four dollars on my whole pitching staff, so uh, <laughs> I can get away with overpaying for the top guy at every position in the infield by doing that. So you know, obviously, if you're not comfortable with that, which I'm sure the majority of people aren't, then you got to make some concessions stum- sure. somewhere. Third base, I think I'd rather do it at second base than third base, like Al is saying. Al is Evan Longoria a first round pick? Arguably, late, late, but uh, I could see going 11 or 12 on him. Would you take Longoria or Adrian Gonzalez? Probably Longoria. Let's see where he went in the head-to-head draft. It was Miguel Cabrera. This is our 12-team head-to-head. You can see it on the website. Miguel Cabrera, Roy Halladay. This, uh, this is head-to-head. Sorry. Cabrera, Halladay, which we think is too high. Pujols, Bautista, Tulowitzki, Matt Kemp. Joey Votto, Jacoby Ellsbury, Adrian Gonzalez, Dustin Pedroia, Robinson Cano, Justin Verlander. We're done with round one. Prince Fielder, Clayton Kershaw, Curtis Granderson, Cliff Lee, and then Evan Longoria with the fifth pick of the second round. Yeah, that's a tough one because probably if you're in a position to choose between Gonzalez and... uh, No, let me take that back. Actually, I was going to say something completely fallacious there. So if you got the the opportunity to choose between Gonzalez... And Longoria, uh, I would definitely want to take the chance of maybe getting Fielder on the backswing. Okay. Absolutely. Where do you think Longo should go? First round, second round? Uh, I have a hard time going for him in the first round because I feel like a healthy Adrian Gonzalez is still better 
than a healthy Evan Longoria, and that's the kind of player you're talking about getting late in the first round. I, I would be fine early second round. Um, that being said, I mean, there there's a point to what Al's saying, too, depending on who's actually gone and, and who's still left. There, there might be a case where you say, okay, I know Evan Longoria is actually the worst player here, but if I can get Prince Fielder or, or maybe even Mark Teixeira, uh, it, it might be worth passing him up to do that. David Wright or Adrian Beltre? Right for me. I'll go Beltre. I just feel more comfortable with him based on the production the last two years. I don't know what's up with Wright. He he kind of he scares me in every possible way. Not only did he deal with the back injury last year, but his strikeout rate has been going up the last few years, batting average going down. Uh, two years ago he was fine, but we're looking at two of the last three years now where he was basically a bust in fantasy. I'm I'm just I'm scared of investing an early round pick in him. I, I don't know what it is. I was really gun shy with Beltre last year, and I just I feel like there's going to be some age related decline there eventually. Whereas I like Wright's chances to come back, and yeah, the fences at City Field are are a factor for me there too. Beltre, Wright, Zimmerman. Who do you like? Still, Bel- still Beltre for me. And I'm still still Wright, but Beltre before Zimmerman. So Zimmerman's last on that list. Out of those three for me, yes. And for Scott? Yeah, I'd say so. Let's look at average draft position. Jose Bautista and Longoria on average going in the first round. Beltre and Wright in the third round. Zimmerman in the fourth round. Laurie in the fifth round. Alex Rodriguez and Aramis Ramirez in the sixth round. And Pablo Sandoval. Rodriguez, Ramirez, Sandoval all in the sixth. Rank those three, Al. Rodriguez, Ramirez, A-Rod, A-Ram, and Sandoval. Sandoval number one for sure. Whoa, really? Oh yeah, because you know there's there's a t- as I mentioned a ton of risk with A Rod and and Sandoval. I just think is at this stage of of their respective careers just a better hitter than Ramirez and and going in the right right direction as opposed to yeah. Ramirez who. I don't. I don't have any hope for a bounce back season for A Rod. I don't care what positive for stories A-Rod? you see about him. He's he's going to uh, be thirty seven. This, this is year. the homer I, in me, but yeah. I actually I actually am optimistic. For and him. and you were last year too. Yeah. We had the same conversation. Okay. So I think we're we're probably because I don't think I did the full three. So it'd be because I got went off on the Sandoval thing. So it's Sandoval, A Ram, A Rod. Ooh, I I have some concerns about A Ram too, but. Honestly, I just don't see myself drafting A-Rod or A-Ram in any league. So you think six rounds too early for those two? Yeah. For, well, I think I was surprised to hear Ramirez was going that early. I wasn't surprised to hear A-Rod was going that early, but I would draft neither in the sixth round myself. Ramirez went in the sixth round in our head-to-head draft, and he went, I think, in the ninth round in our um, yeah, in the ninth round in our Roto draft, which was done a little bit earlier. Would you rather have Euclid in the end of the eighth, beginning of the ninth, or Laurie in the fifth? This is, I know Scott's going to think this sounds crazy, but I think Euclid is the better value at that point. Huge risk, obviously. Is Scott, that, is he is crazy? that his average draft position, eighth or ninth round? Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah I would, wow. I'd take the risk. I, I, was, I would have assumed it was in the sixth round range with the A-Rams and A-Rods of the world. I don't know what makes him... I'm skeptical of Euclid having a, a bounce-back season, but I'm just as skeptical of uh, A-Rod doing that. I, 
You well, know, I, I would I would rather have Euclid than those two. So in a, in a way, I almost agree with you, but <laughs> I, I but don't quite. I don't really trust in any of my drafts that Euclid is going to fall to that point. And you're right, he's just not. I, we could ignore that because he went in the fifth round, first pick of the fifth round in our head-to-head draft, and Euclid went in the fourth round of the Roto draft. So let's say fifth round for Euclid. Uh, I, I don't think so. We'll, we'll talk about this more later when we talk about sleepers, okay. breakouts, and busts. All right. I respect that. I respect that. <laughs> Michael Young. Why is he ninth? He was second last year in both formats. I'm going to break out my favorite acronym. BABIP. BABIP <laughs> progression. On the way, Michael Young. That I, much, I, though? I don't even have to look at Babe to assume there's going to be a regression <laughs> yeah, that's there. He, true. It was a career high batting average last year for a guy in his mid 30s. But it's his favorite what, acronym. You can look at it. <laughs> what, what concerns me is his power disappeared. He he had less than half as many homers as the year before. So if if he doesn't hit that in that 330 range, he's not going to be an elite third baseman. He's actually uh, one of my bust candidates at this position. Talk about Mark Reynolds. He was sixth in head to head, seventh in roto last year. He hits the ball really far <laughs> when he hits it, yeah. but he strikes out all the time, and his batting average kills you. That's uh, that's Mark Reynolds. Yeah. So, how do you value a guy like that? Uh, you know, well, first of all, like I think Scott was right to to point out that uh, you know you value him differently based on the format. That's going to be key because he's a much scarier guy uh, in in head to head. Those that forty homer potential as as far long as it's going to last as deep as it's going to last into the draft is makes Reynolds potentially a great pick to make in a roto league. But yeah. you have to be prepared for the hit and batting average. You had to have to have loaded up on high batting average guys at other points. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry, but I was gonna, I, I'll say this about Reynolds that when you look at the neighborhood he lives in in the rankings, in some ways he's. I mean, we point out the negatives, but he's not really a risky guy. You know what Mark Reynolds is going to do, and you take the good with the bad, and he's still you know, a, a mid-round guy who's going to deliver mid-round production. In a head-to-head league, the one that I keep referencing, I took him in the 12th round. I, you know, I, was, I guess I waited on third baseman, and I'll try to find who went before him. That would be a good little exercise. So I took him in the 12th, and the relievers started going in the 11th round, and it looks like there was kind of a... It's kind of a like an empty period. Pablo Sandoval in the ninth or Reynolds in the twelfth. Didn't have that many go in between. Sounds like a uh, break in the tears to me. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> what it is. sounds like Sandoval falling a bit there, too. Yeah, for sure. So who would you rather have, Sandoval in the ninth or Reynolds in the twelfth? Sandoval. Sandoval. It's no question. David Wright in the third or Reynolds in the twelfth. Yeah, I think I'd rather have Reynolds, even though, or I mean, what am I saying? Right is what I mean to say. And you said Reynolds in the 12th? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's good value for Reynolds, but uh, right to me is going to outperform him by a lot, even if, it, if you're being conservative. Do you have a last guy that you'd be comfortable with as your starting third baseman? <laughs> well, I think you know what I'm going to say. Bonifacio? I'd be fine with Bonifacio as my starting third baseman if I didn't need him for my starting shortstop, especially now that Ioannis Suspedes is out of the picture and we know it's going to be Bonifacio every day. I, I might actually go even a little lower than that because I, I'm, I'm really starting to come around on Martin Prado here. Um, you just stole my thunder. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I'll, I'll let you elaborate. Yeah, no, I would go deeper. I'm t- 
I don't want to say totally comfortable. I'd rather obviously have a top six guy or so, but but if I can't get them, then I will probably wait it out to get Prado because I think he's really going to rebound this year, and uh, especially in, in head-to-head, um, you know, he's going to give you some doubles production. He's going to give you a high batting average, and um, you know, some some good run production. So, and then after he's gone, it's a pretty steep drop. So, I'm, I'm willing to wait it out for Prado, and I think expectations for him based on last year are going to be pretty low. But you like Bonifacio better than Prado. Uh, I do, but I still would wait it out to, because I don't like Bonifacio, Bonifacio so much that I would pass up on filling other needs with Prado still hanging out there. Mustakas or Prado? Prado, no question. Let's get into sleepers, breakouts, and busts. Scott, you want to start? Sleepers? Well, I got a bunch of sleepers here. Um, I, I called Martin Prado a sleeper, actually, um, because obviously he doesn't fit in the breakout category. Uh, but looking a little deeper than that, Matt Gamble, obviously a guy getting his first chance to play regularly now, now with Prince Fielder gone, still has third base eligibility from his time in the minors. And uh, he's a guy who has a career 304 minor league batting average. Um, he's 26, so it's now or never for him. But I think uh, with a late round pick, he could surprise. I also have Ian Stewart. I'm not extremely high on him but anyone with his potential with the opportunity he's going to get in Chicago uh, is worth looking at in the late rounds Daniel Murphy a guy we mentioned at second base I like him for batting average and a rise in power Um, and even someone like Scott Sizemore this is probably more for deeper leagues I can't see myself drafting him in a mixed league but obviously the athletics really like him Um, and uh, we saw we saw a glimpse of of who he might be able to be at the end of his season last year, hit 269 with six homers and the most impressive number, an 863 OPS over his final 108 at-bats. Um, it might have been a matter of opportunity for him and, and patience that the Tigers didn't give him uh, as, as to why he hasn't broken out yet. Prado or David Freeze? Uh, for me, it's Prado, yeah. Yeah, but Ow. but I do have freeze down as a breakout oh when we do get to that Al sleepers sleepers all right oh well, i mentioned or i can't remember if i mentioned already kevin euclid i guess maybe that was off yeah a little bit. offline um just because expectations are low and you adam you addressed that you said you know an average draft position that euclid was down what did you say now ninth round or yeah end of the eight but uh, we were skeptical i'm not happen. that skeptical i think with all yeah. the injury issues he's had the last two seasons and then last year coming with the injuries really uh, a decrease in the in the production i think that people are going to be very very low on him and i could see myself taking advantage of that in a draft where he falls to the the seventh or the eighth round for sure so i definitely see some sleeper albeit injury risk sleeper potential for kevin euculus and then i also like uh, edwin encarnacion uh, who I think also could enjoy some more playing time this year. It seems like his status as the DH in Toronto is a little better solidified. And uh, he's got that great power potential still. So um, I think he could fall to Freeze a point or where... Uh, I, I see them as very equivalent, but there's so much more buzz on Freeze. That said, all things being equal, I prefer Freeze a little bit, but I think Freeze is going to go a lot higher in drafts. Fair enough. Any more sleepers? Uh, no, that's pretty much it. Go ahead with your breakouts. All right, breakout guys. Um, Matt Gamel, who Scott mentioned. Um, <laughs> it's tricky to find it, the right terminology for some of these players. Yeah, and especially as a guy who has yet to play a full season in the major leagues, maybe breakout isn't really appropriate, but I do see that he's going to shed that, that quad A label this year. Um, 
So in, in that sense, I see him as a breakout guy. And another relatively uh, inexperienced guy at the major leagues, um, Lonnie Chisenhall, I think, could surprise people and bust out because he carried over the power that he showed in the minors last year, but he was a disappointment um, because uh, you know his batting eye just wasn't quite as sharp as it had been. But again, that's a skill that he has shown, and I think that he can draw more walks and, and increase his batting average and produce more runs. And I think he could do a lot better than, than people expect this year. So, well, sleeper potential, but but a breakout as well. Breakout, Scott. Okay, um, I'm going to start with. Oh uh, well, Brett Lawry was the first I had listed. We've covered him thoroughly. Mike Moustakis is another guy uh, I think could break out. I haven't actually drafted him yet, but as a late round pick, uh, you know, he he didn't do much last year. But it, it's kind of something I've noticed with him over his professional career. Every time the Royals moved him up a step um, uh, up to the, the next level in the minors, he struggled at first. And it took him a while, usually a couple months, to really find his footing. And, and that was the case for him in the majors last year, too. He had one extra base hit over his first 18 games. Then the doubles started to get mixed in a little more. And then eventually, over his final 13 games, he exploded with four home runs. So suddenly, he was capable of hitting for power again. Uh, if he's able to uh, carry that over into the new season, um, obviously, he's a potential 20-homer guy at that position. David Fries, if he didn't already break out in the playoffs, uh, hitting three ninety-seven with five homers during that stretch, um, then I think this is the year he could break out. Really, you look at his regular season numbers last year, and they weren't bad either, 297, 10 home runs. The biggest issue with him is he just needs to stay healthy. Uh, and um, I think that's the last of my breakouts. Scott, your busts. Busts are uh, Michael Young, who we mentioned. Yeah. Alex Rodriguez, I think, is still going to go higher than he should because of name recognition and because of people like you, Adam Azer, <laughs> who think there's still well, look, the chance for him to bounce back. He's a once-in-a-generation type player. His oh, once-in-a-generation type player. His OPS is falling, 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 playing fewer games. I just don't see that turning around. I have Aramis Ramirez as a bust, and this is somebody Al and I disagree on. I don't exactly have a, a foolproof argument for why I think he's a bust. I just know last year was his healthiest year in a long time. Uh, I think he'd played less than 130 games the previous two years. He's in his mid-30s now. Um, and with with those two hits already against him, changing environments at this stage of his career, I, I just think it could end up being a bad mix. And if particularly if he's going in the sixth round, I don't trust him to be consistent enough or stay in the lineup enough to do what fantasy owners want him to do at that point. Al, go ahead. What your rebuttal? Uh, yeah. Well, I just I look I look. You make a valid point that uh, there's there's some playing time concern there and and on the wrong side of the age curve. But when he does play and you look at the the peripherals, he's been so consistent. There's no signs of age related decline. So as long as he stays healthy enough to play. He's going to be the same guy he's been, and I don't worry about the change of environment at all because he's going to a, a park that's pretty much the equal of Wrigley Field in terms of being homer-friendly. It's weird with him, though, because I feel like the last three years about, he's gotten off to such a slow start that we think, okay, he's, he's blown it now. And then he turns it up in the second half and ends up fine. I'm just afraid one of these years he's <laughs> not going to do that in the second that's half. That's a frustrating thing with Ramirez. Um, he does seem to be a slow starter. And you have more busts, Scott? I do not. Then I will conclude with uh, Mr. Melchior. Yeah, I do. Well, um, A-Rod, 
I mean, <laughs> that's, I don't know how much more <laughs> we could say, but I just I can't see the situation where I would draft him this year unless he fell ridiculously low. And even then, maybe I wouldn't. What's ridiculously low? Eighth round? Uh, I don't even think that's ridiculously low. I'd say 10th round would, would wow. get to ridiculous. You guys are crazy. All right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's eighth round would be low, but but I I don't think I'd take him then. I just I just think. Uh, well, then you better be taking Eduardo Nunez if you don't think Arod's going to stay healthy. And right? then you can wait to take Eduardo Nunez. Sure. So, so there you go. But um, no, a little more controversial than that. Um, I actually think Mustakis will be a bust this year because I think a lot of people will will read into the strong finish he had. They'll read into the minor league numbers, into the the prospect height. Hype and and um, and pedigree, and uh, expect him to take a big step up this year. And I would not be the least bit surprised to see him flatline, because the big power numbers that he put up in the minor leagues were aided particularly in Double A by park factors, and that was also in play somewhat in Triple A. And then he really jacked up the fly ball rate in Triple A um, to get the big power numbers. Playing at Kansas City, that strategy, if he employs it, is not going to be as effective. So I really have some doubts about Mustakas developing power, certainly this quickly, maybe longer term. But I think this year um, he's not going to live up to expectations. AL only, NL only, guys, to target. Who do we got, Al? All right. AL only, a um, couple names. Uh, Wilson Betamit, I really, really like. And I think he's got a great chance for some playing time in, in Baltimore. Um, so that'd probably be as a DH. Although out in third base, I mean, that's going to be kind of an open situation there. I don't necessarily trust Chris Davis to win that job outright or, or keep it outright. So, but in any event, between that and DH, Betamit's going to get his playing time. And, and the guy's raked the last couple of years. I, I don't understand why there's not more love for him. <laughs> and then uh, also uh, sort of similar situation, Kyle Seeger in Seattle. That's a, a, an unsettled situation. It looks like Sean Figgins is going to get the nod at third base, but it's a long way to go in spring training, much less the, the regular season. And Seeger is a really good gap hitter who I think could fare really well at, at Safeco Field. Going to name one for each league. I have Brent Morrill for the AL. And to me, it's a situation kind of like we saw with Danny Valencia at the end of the 2010 season where he wasn't really doing much in fantasy. Then he suddenly exploded in September. Morrill was kind of the same way, eight home runs in September. And although comparing him to Danny Valencia might not be favorable, <laughs> Valencia is not a great player, when you're talking about an AL-only option, uh, moral somebody you can get for nothing, and 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 he could end up being a uh, somebody you would you would start at third base all year. Um, and then in the NL, I'm gonna go with Nolan Arenado, who doesn't even have a job right now, but he's probably the best third base prospect in the minors. And with only Casey Blake blocking him in Colorado, and him eventually playing in Colorado, which is obviously a good thing. Uh, by midseason, I think he'll be the starter for the Rockies and, and perhaps even a mixed league contributor. I'm sorry, Al, I forgot to let you say your NL. Uh, that's right. I'm just saving. And you know what? It's a good thing because I would have looked like an idiot because I did not include Arenado, and that is an excellent, excellent choice. So <laughs> You could have um, gotten away with it, but you owned up to it regardless. <laughs> so Arenado definitely belongs on that list. Um, I've also got a, a guy I'm not nearly as excited about, Brett Wallace, who's going to make the move back from first base to third base, at least reportedly, for the Astros. And at first base, I think he's got very little usefulness in, in, uh, in fantasy. But as a third baseman, if he can – 
take that next step, um, you know, he'd be a really good NL only option. And then just two more names, uh, really flyers to throw out there for NL only. Pedro Alvarez has shown that he's got some some good uh, power skills. We just need to see him display them again this year. Ty Wigginton with with uh, the injury only not not only to Ryan Howard at first base, but potential injuries to Placido Polanco at third could put together some playing time and, and become relevant. Last question before emails. This is the bounce back position. A lot of guys looking to bounce back like David Wright. I will take Evan Longoria out of this equation because we really like him. Wright, Zimmerman, Euclid, A-Rod. Which one of those four? Wright, Zimmerman, Euclid, Alex Rodriguez. Which one of those four? I know the answer is not going to be A-Rod. Yeah. Do you think is the safest bet to bounce back next year? I think Wright is the safest. I think all the non-A-Rod options, though, are, are pretty strong comeback candidates. So. Yeah, I would say all the non-A-Rod options. <laughs> none of them would surprise me. Zimmerman would be my first choice. Then let's get to the emails. Mike in Detroit, Michigan. Put podcasts in the subject line, people, and send an email to fantasybaseball at cbsinteractive.com. And it's almost time to talk podcast league. I'm going to put Scott on that soon. Get... I need to put that together. It's yeah. it's almost March, buddy. We need to, yeah, we need to get don't some look submissions in here. Don't look at well, me. I'm you, waiting for you. You need to solicit <laughs> okay. the submissions here. You want me to start asking Do it. for Go for it. Okay, then. <laughs> to, I will give the instructions when we start next week's show, okay. our first show of next week. Mike in Detroit, dear Justin Verlanders of Fantasy Baseball, in regards to your most recent podcast, Second Base Preview, what are your thoughts about drafting Ricky Weeks and then drafting a viable second base option with upside later in the draft like Kendrick, Walker, or Ackley? I do not like it because I don't see enough separation among those options. And then you know, you're know you talking about using up two draft picks in a, in a pretty short span on second baseman. Uh, and I just think that there's better ways to get value. Ryan in Los Angeles. Hey, there are three wise men. Which yeah. Al, you pointed out, pretty that, appropriate. Yeah, maybe uh, maybe this uh, this is Ryan. Maybe mm-hmm. Ryan knows that Melchior is or was one of the three wise men. I don't even know Baltazar, what... Gaspar, and Melchior. I knew the other two. I just didn't know Melchior. Yeah, yeah, I'm <laughs> no. sort of the obscure obscure one. <laughs> what are you doing up there with the Baltazars of the world? Ridiculous. <laughs> My ten team league is switching from eleven by eleven roto, where we have hitter categories like hits, doubles, triples, OPS. And pitching categories like complete games, shutouts, holds, and blown saves to a head-to-head format with the same categories. Should strategy change because of the format switch, what are recommended strategies to win my league in either format? I think strategy should absolutely change. It's kind of kind of in an annoying way because you're talking about categories, particularly complete games and shutouts. I mean, how are you supposed to predict that? <laughs> I think the fact you can't predict it is why you're going to have to go uh, higher for, for more of the high-end arms than I would normally recommend. Guys like Roy Halladay, uh, James Shields, CeCe Sabathia, who you know are going to get some complete games and, and, and at least win that category for you sometimes. Shutouts, you know, if they're getting complete games, maybe there'll be some shutouts in there too. But there's really, there's really no other way to prepare for that. And then, as far as holds and blown saves go, um, I mean, obviously, just because holds is a category, you're going to go for some setup men when normally they would be irrelevant in fantasy. Blown saves, I'm not sure. I, I'm not sure going for higher closers is necessarily going to save you in that category. A lot of times, 
it, it's just a it's just a product of how many opportunities the guy gets, and everybody kind of everybody kind of blows their share, you know. Yeah, just avoid bad closers in this format, yeah. as opposed to the other formats where you yeah. don't yeah. avoid them. I I've learned that blown saves can be an overrated stat. The more opportunities you get, the more saves yeah, you're going to blow yeah. sometimes. Or it could be a telling stat if you're not getting that many opportunities and still <laughs> blowing a lot. But all right, Mike from Arizona, ten team mixed league, drafted Ryan Brown and the Ryan Braun. I know who Ryan Braun is. I don't know why I said Ryan Brown. In the sixth round, I think I was trying to, to rhyme. Drafted Ryan Braun in the sixth round, kind of weak at shortstop with my only options being J.J. Hardy and Steven Drew. Here's the trade I'm looking at. Getting Hanley and Ricky Weeks, giving up Braun, Carl Crawford, and Chase Utley. Mm-hmm. I... <laughs> Boy, that's that's a tough one. <laughs> it is, and I'm sort of I'm playing mental gymnastics here because I'm thinking that you know Braun. I mean, as of this taping, has not you know been officially suspended. <laughs> yeah, yet, that, so. that answer's coming. So today but, or tomorrow, I think we, I just need to supposedly. make the assumption right that he is going to be suspended. To simplify this, I, I'm leaning toward taking Hanley in weeks, um, because I think weeks is is an upgrade over Utley, and, and that's what swings it in that side's favor um you know i'm not look at his outfield kemp upton andre ethier justin upton that that makes it easier too to give up the two the braun and the crawford yeah i'd agree especially after looking at who he's already got uh, i think this is worthwhile clark in austin texas trying to decide who to keep between jason hayward in the 14th round or jesus montero in the 31st round who do you think will be better both this season and long term? <laughs> Montero. Um, this season? I, I'm going to take, as long as he keeps catcher eligibility in fantasy, which I think he will in Seattle, I'm, I'm going to say Montero both for this year and long term, even though I think Hayward is, is still going to have a good career. All right. Patrick from Charlotte, North Carolina. Greetings to the most informative fantasy cast around. I've recently taken over an abandoned team in a 16-team Mixed Roto Dynasty League, where each team has a minor league, or minor league roster as well. I've received a trade offer where I would give up either Trevor Bauer or Shelby Miller in exchange for Devin Mezzarocco. Are these young arms too much to give up? I could use the catcher help this year as Kurt Suzuki is the catcher I drafted late. I have no other catchers in my minor league system. System, excuse me. Yeah, I would not make the trade, um, and I liked Mezzarocco a lot. But I, I'm not confident that he's going to become, a, you know, a top shelf catcher. Whereas I think that Bauer and Miller both have that potential to to someday be elite starting pitchers, and uh, I wouldn't want to give them up uh, without a bigger bigger haul. Fellas, thank you for your third base help today. Much appreciated. Thank you for your third base guidance. Are you going to be rooting for Moneyball this weekend at the Academy Absolutely. Awards? Absolutely. I don't know if I've seen one of the best picture nominees. You haven't seen Moneyball? No, I never saw Moneyball. I think I've seen. I don't even know. I think it's the are. only I one. I think I've, I've seen, seen most of them, though. Which ones have you seen? Start I don't know what some. they are. Because uh, <laughs> I, I have seen, to look uh, at the list. I, there's like I've 10, seen right? Extremely Loud and Incredibly Close. Uh, the Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. Didn't see that. Um, <laughs> those are the, the ones I, I can think of off the top of my head. The Descendants? Did you see that? I haven't seen that. Yeah, me either. 
This is. This I don't is, even know. This is I'm great just sitting on the sidelines here. Right I don't. I don't uh, get to the theater a lot. So. You gotta get. Come on, man. Go I know. Movies. Yeah. Movies are fun, and they're good. You can talk about them a little bit on the shows. They're fun. Well, I can't now. I guess I'll. No. but I have to. You can't. I though. I will tell you guys <laughs> that on my fantasy baseball show, on the not mine, the fantasy baseball show, I recorded earlier today with Dave and Jamie. I said that Field of Dreams is like the most overrated movie ever. Get out. Yeah, I'm sorry. You know, I, I kind of agree with Thank you. Thank you. Oh, not not one of the my most overrated. Oh, it, it's an okay movie. So but I, boring. It, it's, what? It, it gets more hype than I than I think it deserves. It's and so boring. I'd, I'd rather watch Moneyball or Bull Major Durham. League. Bull Durham much better than... Uh, Can we do a quick top three here? Bull Durham, uh, Moneyball, Field of Dreams? No, Major League is clearly number one. I mean, clearly. Not yeah. even close. I'm in agreement. Okay. <laughs> and then I guess uh, then I guess I'd go Bull Durham too. And since I didn't see Moneyball, I'll go with uh, Rookie of the Year with Henry oh, Rowan Gardner. Here, my final word. <laughs> so Major League, Field of Dreams, Moneyball, Bull Durham. There you go. You got a top three. Moneyball, Major League. Um. I might have to go rookie of the year yes. like you. There you go. Anybody <laughs> wants to contribute to this argument, you can include it in your and email. And eight men out. Oh, yeah. Never saw that. Fantasy Baseball at CBSInteractive.com. Have a great weekend. We'll talk to you next week.